Scribes Journey is supported by our patrons. Join them today at patreon.com slash scribesjourney. Welcome to Scribe's Journey, where stories begin. I'm LJ Stanton, the pedantic scribe, and I'm joined today by T.R. Elby, the oddball scribe. And we're doing a special bonus episode where I get to ask Head all of the fun questions that we're all dying to know the answers to and really put them on the spot. So with that said, how are you feeling? I am doing excellent. No. Ooh, there we go. I know. I'm doing I'm doing well. It is a, is a good day. You know, the sun is shining. I am currently ready to answer all the questions that you have concerns about i don't know i'm ready to answer all the questions so let all the things i'm curious about and i'm sure that our listeners are too oh my Alrighty, let's have at it all right well at what point did you decide to become an author i could say it was a few years ago when my i was inspired to write by my son but in reality i've kind of always wanted to do some sort of writing I was writing in high school. I had a lot of things that are sitting behind me. One day I might actually get back to and edit and turn into actual finished stories. Not that they aren't finished, they're just there. So I guess it was really back then. But what really got me off my ass and wanted me to do the writing was two things. One was Christopher Paolini when he wrote and published the first edition of Aragon. And he was only, I don't know, 16. And I was so angry at myself because this 16-year-old kid, I'm, and again, Christopher, if, you, if it wasn't 16, you got to correct me. I can't remember what age it was. But I was sitting there thinking to myself, oh, my God, he wrote this amazing novel. And I'm just sitting here being an ass. So I went and did some writing at that point in time. But it wasn't until my son that I decided that this is something that I wanted to do. And I'm still not doing it full time, but that's fine. This is something I'm pursuing and I'm excited to do right now. So since you're inspired to start writing by your son, what are your favorite genres to work in? Because of my son, a lot of the things that I'm writing are in kids' books. Within kids' books, there are different genres like we're used to, sci-fi and fantasy. I really like writing within inside those two specifically, but I do want to write mysteries as well. My dad was a very huge fan of Sherlock Holmes. Because of that, I loved the... Agatha Christie, Sherlock Holmes, mystery writers, but I've never actually jumped into it. But the things I do like to write in are definitely sci-fi and fantasy and any mixture of those genres in between. So what does literary success look like to you? I have this 14-year plan, right? Since I'm not writing as a full-time writer right now, I have this 14-year plan where by time I'm And it's scary to say this, in 14 years, I will be 60. Success to me at that time will be if I have a number of books out, these kids' books that I'm writing, these picture books, these middle grade novels, and some sort of like very small author career. I don't need to be the most popular author in the world. I'm just really excited when people are interested in reading and are passionate about the stuff that I've written. So for me, in that 14-year timeline, when I hopefully will be able to retire and become a full-time author, if I have several novels out and I have a small fan base that is excited about what I'm doing, to me, that's success. And that's all that really matters at the end of the day is finding that fulfillment in your life in a way that makes you happy. 
Yeah, I mean, I've never been the type of person that wants to be famous. I don't see a need for it. Um, I only put myself in the spotlight when I want to be in the spotlight, even though I am very talkative and I can go in front of a crowd and not necessarily, I wouldn't say command it, but feel very comfortable in it. But fame to me is not something that I'm seeking. I don't. And if it happened, we'll deal with it if it did. But, you know, I'm not striving to be the next Stephen King or Neil Gaiman or even Christopher Pauline. While they're all great authors and they do great things, um, that's not my goal. So go away from the challenging and like deep questions to something a little more fun. Would you rather live in a haunted mansion or in an unhaunted cottage? Well, I guess when it comes down to it, those two things are, um, I'd be doing two different things in both those places. If I was living in a haunted mansion, I would probably be a ghostbuster of some sort. But I mean, you know, we've talked about going and moving to England some point in time in the future and finding a small cottage that's out in the English countryside next to a very good pub, walking distance, of course. But I think I probably would want to go on that ghost-busting journey more than uh, live in a quiet cottage, personally. There are some very relatively cheap castles that can be purchased in England and Ireland and whatnot. And and Italy. There's a lot of $1 castles that are over in Italy and houses that you can go buy, which is crazy, but... Yeah. Y- yes. <laughs> Hopefully they're all haunted, and uh, that would be amazing. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we know what where you're going to be moving to. Yeah, absolutely. So, haunted English castle for $1. There we go. Perfect. That's the next podcast as you go and ghost bust your way through your new house. That would be amazing. I would do <laughs> that. That would be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, all right, so you walk into a bookstore. What is the first section you go to? You know, I can't remember the last time I was in a bookstore. And, you know, as a writer, that's kind of almost sacrilegious. But I would have to say the cooking section. I love the cook. I don't get a chance to cook that often. But I love looking at new recipes and seeing what are, what are out there and where I can be inspired to cook something brand new, maybe something within an Indian recipe or whatnot. So I would go to the cookbook session because, huh. you know, I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> Not all the time. That would be crazy. Yeah. That is not the answer I expected, and I find that really cool. Then, like, what hobbies do you think would surprise your readers that you have? Like, cooking, we've now just talked about. What are the other Mm. ones? Well, I started surfing when I was 14. Our family used to go down to Virginia Beach in the U.S., and um, we'd spend a week or two down there, and I taught myself how to surf, and I still do. I try to get out to the ocean a few times a year, less than I would probably prefer, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm an avid lover of surfing, bodyboarding, ocean kayaking. It is, it is my Zen place. And it's when, when I'm there, it just takes all stress and just rips it off my back and washes it away in the current and the tide. You've mentioned the fact that you're not a full-time author. So what is your process then? Like, how do you make time to write? Well, uh, I tell everybody that I have a very limited period of time between 10 p.m. and midnight to do all of my authoring and writing. But in reality, I'm horrible at writing at midnight and 10 p.m. After a certain period of time in a day, I just cannot focus. So a lot of the time that I spend writing is just when I can find time during the day, you know, lunchtime. Or if I have 30 minutes to review something, I will take it and try to do as much as I can. 
And I do that for all the things with writing, with editing, with and the creative stuff because I'm I'm much better during the day than I am during the night. So I kind of take the time when I can squeeze it in, which is probably why a lot of this stuff takes so long to do because I can't just focus on it for hours and hours a day, unfortunately. But that's, like I said before, the 14-year goal. One day I will be able to get there and just do it. But by that time, my wife will be like, let's go on, let's go traveling the world. And I'm like, well, can I bring my laptop so I can yeah. So hopefully. The answer hopefully will be yes. <laughs> hopefully hopefully will be yes. I'll be sitting sitting in whatever place she wants me to, to drag me up of a mountain somewhere. I'm cracking out my laptop and trying to write there, which isn't also the best situation for me either. Way too distracting. So have any of your characters become bigger than you anticipated, whether it's, you know, a greater role in your story or because I know you write some rather tiny statured characters, if any of them got literally bigger than you expected? Yeah, they definitely they definitely did because the story and the universe that I'm working in currently for the steampunk um, universe, and I may have said this on the podcast before, I talk about it often, but, you know, it started out as a bedtime story the characters were just a silly story about a dragon and mouse and they were going on a picnic and they were flying around and that was it but this whole universe that i'm writing in now kind of expanded from just that story and even the original story wasn't steampunk it had no other flavor other than a mouse talking to a dragon but no it's totally went from a simple small idea into something that has just kind of taken a life of its own unexpectedly too where do you get your ideas from generally? Is it, are you able to just kind of think up an idea and run with it? Or do you find inspiration in any like particular media? I know we talked about this on a previous podcast. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, you should go listen to it. I'm not going to tell you which one. You should just go through all the podcast episodes and find it. But regardless of that, um, a lot of my ideas just kind of come from random things. The inspiration over the last several years have been things that have affected my son. You know, we were at the lunch table and he was at an age where he just didn't want to eat anything. And he was like, Dad, tell me a story. And I came up with this random story about this creature that ate everything in his path. And it turned into like a fairy tale type thing. Ideas just come randomly to me. I rarely sit down and start trying to think of, oh, hey, all right, let's think of a brand new idea. Most of the time, it's something that I'm seeing in real life or I've read somewhere and then I think, oh, well, you know, what if we take it and spin it this way? And the ideas just kind of pop in my head when they are there. I don't have any magical process around it. It just happens. Happens. Yeah, it just happens. <laughs> There's no secret sauce to it. I think even like Neil Gaiman said something. I remember taking one of his master classes and he's talking about coming up with ideas. It's the inspiration, if I remember correctly, that just randomly comes to him that spawns these things. And I'm not saying that I'm like Neil Gaiman. Uh, I'm in nowhere near his stature or expertise in this subject, but I do get my ideas from random spots and random things that just happen to me. And then I have to kind of remember it, you know. And yeah. That's the challenge. I kind of jot it down in like a, in a notepad thing in my phone and come back to it. And then hopefully remember that I actually jot it down. Would you and your main character get along? Especially given that you've written a, I think one of your main characters is a mouse. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think and hope he would. I loosely based him off of my dad. I had a good relationship with my dad. And so I think we would, you know, I would probably take him to some sort of market and then have him go steal cheese. I don't know. I think that would be hilarious, you know, oh. have him running through a market and stealing wheels of cheese. So we would totally get along, I think. 
And then we sounds eat, like it. Eat crackers and cheese all day. Oh, that's a really good option. Yeah. I that sounds great. <laughs> I mean, how big of a wheel would he steal though? Like I that's the question of the day. How could he get it out? The, he's a mouse. But it sounds like he's a highly intelligent mouse, and you mentioned some steampunk aspects to yeah. your story. So it would be an inventive caper, it sounds like. I hope so. And now I really want to go write a story about him as a child stealing cheese. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah, you should write that down. <laughs> I should write that down. Where's the pencil? You mentioned that your character's name is Ichabod. Mm -hmm. Where do you get the names for your characters? How do you select them? Um, well, there's two different ways. If it's a more unusual name, but is actually a name used in the world... I'll try looking for names that haven't been used very often. Like Ichabod, you don't see any, hear that. I mean, the only character I can think of that has that name is Ichabod Crane from, uh, I guess, the Sleepy Hollow fame. But a lot of times when I'm looking or creating character names, I end up going to uh, Google Translate. There's a whole slew of languages there. I look for two specific words that if I have a character that is going to be uh, I didn't use this for Ichabod, but like I had a shady rabbit. So I went and looked up two words that kind of made his personality up and found the shortest versions, like three to four characters long in different languages. And I write them down, right? So if I did shady gangster, let's say, I write all those down in a list. And then I take the variations of those that are there from different languages. And I kind of combine them into something that sounds a little bit like I can pronounce it or it might be easy for kids phonetically because otherwise it gets like ginormous and it's like, you know, I don't want to have to try to pronounce that myself. So why would I put anybody else through that? I feel called out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just need a pronunciation guide. Um, you know, that's how I do it. I take it and I kind of combine things together. And then instead of trying to pronounce it in the language that it's from, I do it phonetically. Because, A, I want to be able to pronounce it and be able to tell someone that this is how it's pronounced. And if it's especially for, if it's a kid's book, I want kids to be able to look at it and be like, oh, it's pronounced blah. But that's how I do it. Google Translate's my friend. That's fantastic. That's a really neat way to do it. You talked about trying to make sure these names are easy to say or read for kids. What are some of the other like unique challenges that you have since you are writing primarily for kids? So the biggest challenge was adapting to that type of style. Picture books I found very challenging because you're writing the overarching dialogue with very minimal descriptions in there. Because picture books themselves are only at maximum a thousand words. And majority of the storytelling is done in the artwork. So you omit that from what you're writing. And I've had editors tell me this. Going from writing stories where I'm trying to be descriptive to relying on when I work with an artist that I can kind of say, hey, this is kind of what the scene looks like. Here's what I'm trying to come across so that it then comes together as a book. I think that's been like the, the hardest part. You know, and every level of that genre, the kids' books, has its own little nuance to it as well. Because as you're getting a little older for chapter books, there's still artwork in it. You need to go a little bit further with the description into your work. And the same thing with middle grade novels. And then once you get in kind of past that into YA, it's kind of more like adult writing. But it kind of adapting to that style, I think, is the, is the biggest thing. I bet. Um, yeah. I and mean, yeah, you're used to 
kind of controlling everything. The first time I wrote a book was years before we adopted my son, and it was a kid's book. I remember sending it off to an editor, and this is where I kind of first came upon that advice. You know, it's like you got to tone down the description, descriptive value in there. And I thought I had, but, you know, even less and less, right? So it was interesting and hard to adapt to it because, again, as, as an adult, we're reading adult books— Still sounds weird. I, just, I, still, I, hate, I hate saying that. Uh, yeah. You're, you're reading grown-up books. It's still not bad. <laughs> it's okay. One way or another, you're reading, you're reading that stuff. And so when you're right, you're trying to give as much detail. But, you know, it's kind of a, a really big switch to kind of go from thinking about that to going into, you know, kids' book genre. Yeah, absolutely. For our very last question, you are the oddball scribe. What about you would people call weird? Uh, jokingly, I would say all of me, but I have to actually think about this one. Um, Cue the Jeopardy music. Do, 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 do. See, there we go. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> we have our answer. <laughs> um, I, think, I think people just call me weird, to be honest with you. I'm very quirky, a relatively put-together human being. For being called the oddball scribe, I guess my personality is more odd. But to be honest with you, I don't really consider myself that odd of a person. I mean, I have a very quirky, strange sense of humor. And if that makes me odd, then okay. That's just me. And I'm okay with that. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I hope that everyone has enjoyed listening to it and getting to know our oddball scribe a little bit better. So from the three of us, thank you for joining us for this episode. Now go sharpen your quill and get back to writing. This episode of Scribe's Journey has been presented by Wax Seal Productions Incorporated and remixed by T.R. Albert.